Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Amber Carroll, and I am one of the pastors here at Hope Covenant Church. It is so good to be together today. Um, We are continuing in our message series entitled Trending, where we are choosing what counts over what's catchy. And we're looking at the importance of our character and the role that character plays in our lives, especially as Christians. The first week of this series, if you were here, you had the chance um, to hear uh, John speak about what this series is all about. And it boils down to one message. Anyone remember what that was? It's kind of lengthy. I'll give you a hint. It was from Paul's letter to the Colossians, and it reads like this. It said, Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. The scripture will be up on the screen here. Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That as Christians, our purpose in this life is to proclaim Christ. And that means we don't proclaim self-improvement or stress management or life balance or career enhancement. We don't proclaim a system of beliefs or a political agenda or a set of traditions. We don't proclaim superiority of church people over non-church people. We proclaim Christ. And why? Why do we proclaim Christ? Because he is the redeemer of all things. He is the savior. He is the hope of the world. And because when we proclaim Christ, when Christ is in us, we bring hope to the world. And this world desperately needs hope. And so the purpose of this trending series is to present everyone fully mature in Christ. Can you say that with me? To present everyone fully mature in Christ. And how we do that is modeled by Jesus in the scriptures. Now, it is important to note that Jesus was perfect, right? Fully God, fully human, fully mature, right? So you and me, we do not get off the hook easily. We, in fact, are not fully mature until we meet Christ. And when we meet Christ, it will be at the end of this life. We will meet him on the other side of eternity. So until that day, we are maturing, which means we all have work to do. Am I right? No one has fully arrived yet. So as image bearers of Christ, as Christians, as little Christs, we live so that others might see the glory of God through us, the work of Christ in us, and therefore also want to be like Jesus. So that's the point. That's the point, to present everyone fully mature in Christ. So over the next six weeks, we are going to continue to look at what character traits are trending in, your, in our lives. And how do we get the right things to trend? How do we get honesty and humility and selflessness and availability to trend? I think in order to do that, we have to discover their nemesis, right? So the first uh, trending characteristic nemesis that John talked about last week, this is the nemesis that frames all others and its pride. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, according to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. 
It is the complete anti-God state of mind. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. It all starts with pride. And in week, John, uh, week one, John talked about having humility trend. But first, we need to deal with pride. If we want humility to trend, we have to discover where our pride lies. And pride is me-driven. Pride is the belief that you are better or more important than other people. And the antidote for pride is community. We offered a way for you to work toward having humility trend in your life to become more like Christ and to do that by joining a hope group and allowing other people into your life to help you see where you might need to be working on this. See, Jesus humbled himself. Jesus demonstrated his need for community. He cried out to his father in the garden before he was handed over to death. He relied on the angels to sustain him so he could endure the cross and fulfill the mission. He relied on the angels to sustain him in the desert when he was tempted for 40 40 days after his baptism. See, Jesus modeled beautifully for us community. Community will help you trend humility in your life. So that was number one, first trending humility. So today we're going to move to the second character trait we believe Christ is calling us to put on, and that is selflessness or availability. I'm going to use those two words interchangeably. But what do you think, suppose Jesus was saying to his disciples um, during the last days? He was with his disciples, and we, they were on their way to, Jer- to Jerusalem, and he's about to go, and uh, he's about to die. And he looks into his disciples' lives to help them kind of do an in-depth look on where they're trending in their life. And um, we look at Luke 9. He said to them, he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. But whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever Whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? He's saying whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. What should be trending in your life is self-denial, so you can follow me. And then he moves to the, in the book of John, we, um, he addresses this, but he uses it in a different way. Look at this. He says, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. To be a disciple, deny yourself. We got that. Or better yet, die to yourself. See, it's more than just denial. It's death so that you can have the life that he's promised. And this is so countercultural. Everything in our world tells us to look out for us, for number one, for our needs. You know, you can have it all. Do what feels good. YOLO, right? Everyone know what that means? You only live once. I didn't make that up. That's the real thing. But he, Jesus taught this to his disciples because he knew it to be true for them and he knew it to be true for us today. True life comes after death. If you want a fuller, richer, better life, there are parts of you that must die. I know that's so brutal, but it's true. There are parts of our life that have to die. The vain and greedy and selfish and conceited parts of our lives must fall to the ground and die. And the truth is, they're killing you anyway. 
They're killing you anyway. When we get wrapped up in me and myself and I, we miss the bigger picture of the world around us. We miss the people in our lives. We miss out on relationships. And they end and your joy dies. And that's not what this life is about. That's not what Jesus promised us. He says, I will give you a better and more full life if you do these things. And so I think right now there are probably some of us in this room who are thinking that maybe this whole talk on being selfish doesn't apply to you. See, you're a generous, selfless person. In fact, you've probably been told your whole life how generous and selfless you are. I look around this room right here, right now, and I can see faces of people who I would describe as selfless and generous. I'm a pastor. My whole life, my whole purpose is to serve those in the church, to serve others, to love others. I don't, I have, I don't, not to my face have I been described as selfish, but I don't think that's a word that would necessarily describe me. There's a lot of other words I'm sure that would describe me, but I don't think that is one of them typically. But I hope, my hope is that, I don't know what to do about that. Is that better? Can you hear me still? Okay, my hope is that if I can, okay, I'll just try. Um, My hope is that if I can present what God has laid on my heart at the end of this time together, uh, you might have a better insight into your own life. Um, I'm going to get a little vulnerable here today, so bear with me. But I hope that at the end of today, you're going to realize none of us are exempt from selfish behavior. Now, I have some really good news. I don't think I have to spend too much time defining what selfish behavior looks like. I mean, if you're ever curious of what it looks like when it's played out, all you have to do is spend time with a toddler, right? Children do a great job of helping us see what selfish behavior looks like. We are born selfish. We are born self-centered. Two of the very first words we learn are mine and no right? And children display their selfishness by uh, temper tantrums, right? If you've ever seen a really good temper tantrum, you can see it's usually at the, uh, because the child did not get what they wanted. And temper tantrums are only effective if people are around to witness them. Am I right? Right? So I was trying to find a good video for that was trending in, on social media and on the inner workings of the web, and I found a video that I think might help us understand what this looks like. tantrum if there's no one there to see it, right? Oh, that is just fabulous. Um, Selfishness in children is obvious. We can see that. Adults, well, we are, we're a little better at hiding our selfishness. In fact, we we don't want to display it like the toddler in this video. No, we don't want to display it. We want to explain it. 
We don't want to display our selfish behavior. We, we want to explain it. We want to let you know why we might be acting selfish. We want to give you a list of reasons or excuses, whatever it may be. Selfishness is a blind spot in most of our lives. We don't even realize we are exhibiting selfish behavior. So what defines selfishness? If it's not on display, throwing ourselves around on the ground, which some of you might do, um, I believe that it is defined um, in a person's life by their areas of neglect. Now stick with me here. Not what you give, not what you do to show that you are selfless. You can probably give me a list of all of the areas where you are selfless, where you serve at church or you serve in the community or in your kid's school. I'm not looking at that this morning. Today is not about what you are doing. It's about what you are withholding spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially. To find out if you're acting selfish, don't look at who and how you are serving, but where are you withholding your service? What are the areas of neglect? This is a bit of a paradigm shift, but this is where we work on that, where character is built. So yes, the generous man in the community who's been noted by all of the greatest people and has awards and accolades and trophies, the wonderful humanitarian that he is, he comes home and isn't available emotionally, physically, to his wife, to his kids. For some of you, give financially, generously, generously give financially to organizations in the community, organizations that are important to you, your kids' activities, extracurricular activities, you're saving for retirement, you got kids' school figured out, but you withhold your tithe and your offering that God has called you to give to your church. Ouch. Ouch. Not my words. Not my words. But it's hard. It's hard. So here, here's the question. Not what are you doing that is selfless, but what are you withholding and why? What stands in the way of self-denial? Dying to yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus. See, we are so capable of generating excuses as why we can't make ourselves available to those we are called to serve. It's my schedule. I'm just too busy. I'm just too, I'm too busy. I'm working a lot of hours. My, my job is demanding. I'm exhausted. I'm, ti- I'm physically tired. I'm worn out. But how do we know if it's selfish or if it's reality? You actually are working a lot of hours. You know, what, how do you figure this out? How do I know if I'm making excuses and explaining away selfish behavior? So I want us to ask this question today. Am I making my schedule and my priorities secondary to the needs of those I'm called to serve? I'm going to say that again. Am I making my schedule and my priorities secondary to the needs of those I am called to serve? So the question is here. Um, Who are you called to serve? The Bible gives us a list. God, uh, your spouse, your kids, your family, your friends, your neighbors. Who are you called to serve? Um, There's a common misunderstanding with this word serve. See, um, we often like to associate it with serving in the church or serving in the community. Um, But I want to get this straight. Um, That that is a small description of the word serve. That's just a piece of what it means to serve. 
See, serve is our whole life. It's a, it's a whole life serve. So who are you called to serve? Well, that depends on you. God has put you in this very specific place and time. You are surrounded by a group of people that God has called you uniquely to serve. So that's you. You know who you're called to serve. I cannot tell you who it is. But I can tell you that by serving on Sunday mornings, two Sundays a month, helping, you can't look at your schedule and say, I'm a selfless person because I serve. It doesn't cut it. There's more than that. That's not the case. All right? Um, Here's the question. How do we become a selfless person? I mean, how do we make sure that selflessness is trending in our lives? And so we ask the question, am I making my schedule and my priorities secondary to those I'm called to serve? We have to move from being selfish to being available. I never really put those two together, but as I thought more about it, I think that is, that's it. That's the base of this. The great commandment, love God, love others as you love yourself. So as you love others, love yourself. I mean, we've got to do both of these things. For the most part, we're pretty good about loving ourselves. It's the other piece that we have a hard time. We, uh, we'll withdraw from others. We'll isolate ourselves because it's just too hard. It just messes up with my comfort zone. Heard about that last week some. The truth is we are more busy and more distracted and more unavailable now than we have ever been. And we live in this tension of loving ourselves and denying ourselves. And how do I not neglect my personal needs? And how do I not neglect my family but still serve? I mean, really, this is the question. This is hard. This is hard stuff to answer. But we have a one another faith, and we have to wrestle with this question. This life, this Christian life, is me, it's you, it's we, all together living into this. So in order to do this, we have to develop self-awareness. Right? We have to ask the questions, what's going on? What's going on? Because as we become self-aware, then we can learn and make some changes. But there's a step that has to happen before you become self-aware. And we talked about that in the first week. We have to humble ourselves. Humility is hard because it hits that pride nerve. And we humble ourselves and we open ourselves to hear God's voice on where we might be trending selfish behavior. And then we can move to that other, we ask others to help speak into it. Okay, what am I doing that might be selfish? It's really hard to look in the mirror all by yourself and say, man, I was a jerk today, right? But we've witnessed people make these changes. It's inspiring to us when we watch someone um, who's been selfish or exhibited selfish behavior, and then they become aware of what they've done wrong, and then they make changes, and you feel like so proud of them. It's inspiring. You feel like, hey, I, if they can do it, I can do it, right? I think that was a, it was great. Uh, the Greatest Showman, you guys see that movie? If you haven't seen The Greatest Showman, you need to go watch it. It's wonderful. Um, it's a great story of Barnum and Bailey who, who does that. But I was looking for a trending video on the internet that might give us a glimpse of what it would look like for somebody to go through this. And I didn't have much luck, but I always have luck when it comes to puppy and baby videos. It's the whole reason I even, I'm on social media. But this video, I believe, gets at the heart of this. So let's watch it. Dog takes the toy. He wants it. Charlie.
it's a dog, but come on. If a dog can figure it out, we can, right? We've, we've, you know, we're kind of beyond that. This is so sweet. I mean, he like got the toy. He was like, I really want that toy. He takes it from the baby. And I mean, he could have just sat in the corner with his little toy. And, but, um, but then he repented and we see him try to, to make it right. But how did the dog know he messed up? The baby cried, right? He didn't just come up to it all on his own. The baby cried. It took someone else to call it out, right? We can't have the life that Jesus died for us to have unless we are willing to deny ourselves and have the mind of Christ. We can't have it unless we're willing to do these things, these hard things, to give up the toy we want. So the one crying, so we can make it better. I, I, I struggle with this in, in, in several areas of my life, and so I think there's just three, three things that we can look at, that we can work on to move past this, to begin to see this trend in our lives. So first of all, first and foremost, we pray. We pray. Uh, Psalm 139 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We first go to God, the number one person that we are called to serve, and we say, God, search my heart. Uncover what is going on inside of me. And then we ask others and we listen. We belong to a fellowship of believers. We are not supposed to do this alone. Galatians 6.2 says, carry one another burdens. God gave us each other so we don't have to do it alone. We've been instructed to do it together. Have you put people in your life? Have you allowed people to enter into your life where you can ask those tough questions? Who will cry when you are acting selfish? It's hard. It takes humility. It takes setting down your pride in order to work through that. But here, you know, asking yourself this question, is there anything getting in the way of your availability to serve those in your life? Is there anything getting in the way that's even making it possible for you to engage in relationships that will help you uncover where you're messing up? What's getting in the way of your availability? Do you know what it is? The baby cried to alert the dog. Who is crying in your life? What is crying in your life? Is it your schedule? Are you just overloaded? Are you too busy to be available for others? Uncover what it is. Find out what it is. Be aware of what it is. And then repent. Change. Be like the dog. Make it right. Overcompensate. Don't overcompensate. But repent. Change. When, when, it's, when it's no longer a blind spot, you can't claim that you don't know about it, right? Um, grow in this area. Healthy things grow. Right? If it's not growing, it's dying. Healthy things grow. Healthy people change. And it's okay. It's okay. The selfish way of life leads to death. Spiritual, emotional, relational death. 
Here's what scripture has to say about it, looking in Philippians this morning. And it says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any compassion or common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. So he's saying right here, if you have any encouragement from being one, united in Christ, same vision, Christians all together, common purpose, then make yourself available to each other. He says this. Then make my joy compete, complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. And what was that mindset that Christ Jesus had? In case you're wondering said, who was in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So he could have had a lot of pride because equality with God. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. If... You have a common purpose if you believe in the common bond of the Spirit. Then make yourself available to them. And there will be things that need to die in your life. But through that death comes what? Comes life. Comes life. Considering the needs of others above our own takes some work, but it starts with humble awareness. And I have been made very aware of this need in my life uh, recently. I think I've done a very good job of um, making some excuses for uh, some of my behavior. Uh, I've done such a good job that I've even believed some of the excuses that I've been giving. Uh, I convince others that my excuses are right, valid. Um, it's hard for me to admit this to you because it's really um, kind of a new thing that God's been working on with me, and I'm still sorting it out. And I think it's going to take me a while to figure it out because we're on a journey together, right? We're trying to figure this out. But I, I feel like I'm in the process of being disciplined by my good father. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, um, but I know that um, I have a heavenly father who loves me very much. And we read in Hebrews that the father disciplines his children that he loves for their benefit, for their good. And so I believe that I'm in this season of being um, disciplined. And um, I think it's good. It's good for, it's, it's good for me. <laughs> I hope that you don't hold this against me, that I'm going to share this with you. But here we go. Um, here it is. So I answered the call to be the pastor of Hope Covenant Church in August 2016. And honestly, I love it. I love it. I, I feel like I've been, a, been called to be a pastor for my whole life. But to be pastor of this church has been such an honor. It's such a joy. I say all the time, I can't believe I get to do this. I can't believe I get to do this. This is great. I love people. I love serving the local church. Um, I love the beautiful mess that comes with doing life together. Because the truth is, it gets messy. Right? I love it. My whole life, I have been an overachiever. You can ask my mom. Um, and uh, it served me well in life. It serves, it serves me well in the church. Uh, one of the strengths of over, overachievers is that when um, things get hard, we just try harder, right? When, um, when things get messy, we just 
work even harder to clean up the mess. The flip side of that is that I can get so fixated and focused on things that I, um, I just neglect or I lose sight of the other areas of my life that I'm called to serve. And um, so there's this trend that I'm becoming aware of um, because I've, I noticed the crying that was happening was a real, like a physical exhaustion and the inability to like finish some sentences. And my kids have been joking with me. They're like, are you going to finish what you're just saying? I mean, I like would lose, lose words. And um, so there's some some markers, some things going on, and um, and John is my wonderful partner in life, and so we are able to hold each other accountable some. But um, the, I've noticed the fuller and the busier and the more that this church grows and gets healthy and strong, the more disconnected I feel from the relationships in my life. Those I'm called to serve, my kids, my family, my friends. Because I love serving this church. Like, I love it. I have a lot of excuses on why I can't sing that extra song at night to tuck my daughter into bed. Or why I can't go for a walk around the block with my, with my dog. See, it's because I am so busy and exhausted and overstimulated by the thing I love to do. So, like, I just love serving the church. I, um, I just have a, a little left to give. And, and I, can, I can make excuses on why that's okay, because it's something good. I can, apl- I can explain away my selfish to you, my selfishness to you all day long. Totally explain it away. I would say, well, I've got space on my calendar. I pick up my kids from school every day. I'm at, I'm at their events. I, I try to have one night a weekend with my, with my husband. Um, I've put some boundaries on the calendar. Um, but in my head, my headspace, there are very little boundaries. There is a battle going on in my brain. And uh, I can hardly turn it off. When I'm home at a family dinner and we are sitting and, and hearing a story about the precious kids' days, I'm thinking about sermon illustration, uh, discipleship plan for the church. Oh, that would work, you know? And I, and I have to like make myself kind of come back in and listen. I can hardly turn it off. I'm present, but I'm not present. Does that make sense? It's that brain space, the emotional availability. And it's selfish. I feel like it's selfish behavior because I'm choosing to focus on this thing that I love doing rather than being emotionally available to my kids. So it brings me joy to think about these things. And these things are good. This is, these are good stuff. But withholding emotional availability from those we're called to serve is, is selfish behavior. See, I don't think I would have ever labeled it as being selfish. I'm kind of working through this, but as the more time passes, I think it is. I think it is. And there's this conviction in my spirit that's saying, you know, you're making excuses on why you're tired. You can't finish these sentences because you're not really focused on the first place on what you're trying to say. Your brain is somewhere totally different. I'm not denying myself. I'm not putting other needs ahead of my own, my family. You know, God, I think he's saying, you know why you're exhausted? You know why you're tired? Is because I gave you a Sabbath. I gave you this whole plan to rest and reconnect with me, and you're not doing it. Oh, yeah, I know you're tired. I know you're tired. I know your head's full. 
But don't blame it on anything else. Don't blame it on your schedule. You're in charge of that. You've been acting selfishly. That's just, that's what I've been hearing. That's the conviction in my spirit. And so I know that things have to change. Starting last, last week, um, we just said, you know, no more Facebook or email at 5 o'clock in the morning. I mean, really. I would roll over, open up my email, read it, check. I mean, what? Come on now. Like, I know better. And I hasn't always been like that. It just got a little crazy lately. So things need to change. We ask God, search me, God, know my heart, find out what's going on in me. Let me talk to my accountability friends in my life, and then change. And so I'm working on it. I'm work, I mean, I'm a work in progress, and, um, but I want to stop finding excuses for selfish behavior. And, you know, it does come back to humility, you know, like humbling to truly believe that God's in control, that I'm not in control. That God is going to grow his church. God cares way more, has way more power over Hope Covenant Church than I do. Duh, right? God will, not me. Learning to trust God, that he'll give me a full life. And even though sometimes it's hard and painful and it feels like death, somehow I know in the days ahead that it's going to produce fruit. And if I just make myself available to those I've been called to serve, that it's going to be all good. So my question for you, what are you withholding? What are you withholding? Is someone or something crying for your attention? Is it God? Is it your spouse? Your kids? Your body? Your neighbors? Are you making your priorities and your schedule secondary to those you are called to serve? What happens to you in your life when every time this person or this thing or responsibility pops up and it digs into your selfishness, what, what are you doing to respond to that? The love of Christ and the way that he loved us so selflessly in such a self-denying fashion should challenge us to move past selfish behavior, to become more like Jesus, to daily pick up our cross, whatever that may be, and follow Jesus because the way of Jesus produces life, a full and beautiful life today and tomorrow and for all eternity. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, thank you, Jesus, so much for modeling a way of life that is so contrary to the way the world wants us to live. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for your humility and the way that you focus on others. We want so desperately to be more like you, and God, it is really hard. So help us to see where we are trending Make us aware of how we are living. Send people into our lives to hold us up and to share our burdens together. Whatever standing in the way of us becoming more fully mature in you, help us to get rid of it so that we can proclaim Christ in all the areas of our lives. We love you, we honor you, and we worship you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.